Historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Alright, okay, so starting off. Carding them as all fugitives because they have uh, been framed by the changelings in Starfleet. So now they are on the run and they are hiding out in the wrecked ship junkyards. Uh, they reach out for help. So Seven contacts her old Voyager co-star Tuvok and they're talking on the monitor. And she is trying to, uh, A, get help warning Starfleet and B, figure out if he's a changeling or not. So while they're talking, they're also analyzing uh, Tuvok's voice patterns and whatnot. Everything we've seen. From Commander Rowe's investigation to the theft at Daystrom indicates a coordinated effort by the Changelings to infiltrate Starfleet in key positions. Tuvok, the entire Frontier Day ceremony is in danger. Alright, and the lie detector is inconclusive, so Seven says... I understand the complexities of this issue are like a house of cards, much like our games of Kalto. Tuvok like nods, and then he says... I need not remind you. You've beaten me countless times. And then they play the Voyager music and it's all good. And they agreed to meet on uh, Aquion 7. I once underwent a procedure there to stabilize my neural pattern. But it is not all good. Of course. A Vulcan would never go to Aquion 7 after the anti-colonar demonstrations. And my neural pattern? It was stabilized by a mind meld on Voyager by my friend Tuvok. And then Tuvok smiles a real creepy ass smile and she is like, where is Tuvok? And Picard is like, where is Riker? And then Tuvok uh, shapeshifts into a zombie Riker and he's like, they both being held on second prime in the Yo Mama system. And then they hang up the phone. And Joy is like, Admiral, this is not working. We can't keep doing this. We're on our own. All right, so afterwards in the conference room, we learn that uh, Worf and Raffi are back out in the field and they confirm that Starfleet does not have Riker officially. So Joydy says, Short of junkyards like this, I'm running out of places to hide us. We're running out of time to expose this conspiracy to Starfleet. And Beverly's like, so these changelings have the uh, wet bacon physiology, and that makes them different, and we can use that. But she has some uh, ethical misgivings. Targeting a species on biology alone is tantamount to genocide. And Picard is like, noted, but uh, keep working on it. We will cross that wet bacon bridge when we get to it. And they also uh, form a theory about why the changelings want uh, Picard's body and they also want Jack. I'm wondering if they're not trying to use yours and maybe even Jack's DNA to create some kind of perfect doppelganger Jean-Luc Picard. Is it possible that a DNA sample from a relative could be used to complete an incomplete DNA sequence? Jurassic Picard. There is someone on board who does no more. 
lay head down to get some data from data. So they ask data questions, but they get lower attitude. That would explain why you're so old. I apologize for the outburst, Captain. I am not in complete control of this body, nor am I in complete control of my utter revulsion at your ancient face. <laughs> data, tell me why the changelings have stolen my body. Extraction. Sung research indicates an anomalous form inside Jean-Luc Picard. Previous diagnosis of aromatic syndrome is in question. And Picard says, look, can we not just kill Lord? Geordi says, no, we cannot just kill Lord. All right, so back on the strike, it's time for Vatic to uh, talk to the hand. Do not fear me. We must have the boy. Back on the uh, Titan, on the elevator, uh, Jack and Sydney are on the elevator, and Jack is like, so, okay, don't take this the wrong way, but maybe I could see your room sometime, or you could see my room sometime. But she does take it the wrong way, uh, because she does not understand that this man is flirting hard. Is he flirting? All right, so it looks like Jack does not just have uh, Patrick Stewart Picard DNA, but he also has Patrick Stewart Professor X DNA because the whispery voice in Jack's head becomes Sydney's voice in Jack's head, and he can uh, read her mind. Please be subtle first. Touch my hand. And so he does touch her hand. She's like, Why did you do that? And he can't say, you know, because you told me to in your mind. So instead, he just stares, which is honestly is probably worse. So Jack goes to the bridge where they get a signal uh, that's basically a distress signal from Riker. So they know that the strike is near and that Will has been captured. That's confirmed. That's canon. <laughs> so Jack goes to talk to Picard and he can't quite open up about everything that's happening. So he's just kind of venting in general about everything. I love a good fight when it's fair. And when it's not, I'm the one who's cheating. But we have never had the advantage here. And then Picard's like, I got an idea. I think I know how we can get Vatic. So he set the trap. So they make it look like uh, the Titan has been in a space battle with one of the ships in the junkyard so that they look like easy pickings for the Shrike. He's right there! Right there! And Vatic's first mate is all like, which means these tricksy humans is tricksy and false and you can't trust it. Prepare a boarding party! So she and a boarding party goes over and Jack is there and then Vatic says, Darling, I just want to take you to a better place. How does that mean? It'll be so much better to show you than to tell you. Yeah, see that right there? That's that's some lure the children in a white van talk is what you're doing right now. Jack's like, nope, stranger danger. Alpha, no! And for a minute, the plan works, and the Titan crew is trapping the strike crew in the force fields. Now, okay, so this part requires a, a bit of headcanon to explain to me why in the hell are they leading them all through the ship to trap them in multiple uh, force fields over here and over there and instead of just trapping them all together in one force field and they're shooting at each other there's no reason for, for none of that but anyway I'm going to headcanon that the ship uh, has taken some like it's still not 100% repaired from damage and uh, the force fields that work aren't necessarily in the, the area where they where they dock the ship so they had to take them on a little bit of a tour to where they could get the force fields that that work. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's better than nothing. So that's what I got. Anyway, so they get all the bad guys trapped, but they also have uh, some of the crew trapped, uh, specifically Jack and Sydney. Hang on, Sydney. We're going to transport you out of there. But uh-oh, SpaghettiO. Lore has hacked the transporter, and slowly but surely, he starts effing things up more and more for uh, the crew. He's taking over transporters and the force fields and the replicators and... I don't know, climate control. He's he's turned the temperature down to 65 degrees. Now, like, that's too cold. I, I don't know. I, I'm 
I'm speculating. Anyway, Picard and Crusher are in the, they got Vatic trapped. And uh, after a little bit of, guess the plot line. Your evolved physiology. Frontier day. And Vatic is like, oh, that one's hot. You're good on that one. Oh, nope, that's cold. You're way off. I'm bored already. So here's where we finally get Vatic's origin story. She was a changeling POW in the Dominion War, and she was held on the Black Ops site of the Daystrom Station. Project Proteus, they called it. So they experimented on her and the, uh, some other changelings trying to create the ultimate weapon. Injected us. So they kept going until she could mimic the internal organs and pass the scans and all the tests. Uh, so they like, oh, we got the ultimate spy. So while after a while, Vatic, she goes uh, full uh, nine to five on the torture doctor and she's like, f***ing solid, you are a racist, hypocritical, lying, egotistical bigot. And then she assumes her identity and she starts making changes around the office. Like murdering. You created the perfect monster. Us. Thus was born the wet bacon changeling. I'm able to pass it on. Any who want to join our cause, we link, they accept a shorter life, eternal pain for the ability to fool those who took everything from us. So what was supposed to be a trap for uh, the changelings ended up more like a standoff because like everybody's in the force field but nobody can get where they want to go and everybody's just staring and having uh, monologues. Meanwhile, Lore's taking over systems and Picard and Crusher are like, okay, yes, she has suffered horribly at the hands of the Federation and she's totally justified in her anger, but is it just me? Or do you think maybe we can uh, kill this bitch? Are you and I so fundamentally changed that we're willing to compromise everything? Everything that we believed in. Yes. I mean, shit. I guess they really are pulling out all the stops for season three. I did not see this shit coming. Anyway, uh, so Jordy is meanwhile making his heartfelt plea to to uh, submerged data. I know you're in there, and I know you can hear me. Data, you made me better. You did. You made me a better man, a better father, a better friend. When you die, it broke me. Yeah, but Laura's like, I am sorry, Data's not in right now, but leave a message at the f you. He's got full control of the ship. And then he drops the force fields for the changelings, and he puts one up between Jack and Sydney, and he puts he takes down the Vatic force field, and Vatic escapes, and then the weirdest shit in this whole weird episode happens. Uh, maybe the whole season. Jack kills his changeling, but Sydney is getting whooped up by hers, and then Jack does the red eye thing. So the red eye thing is he that means he's reading minds. So he flashes the red eye thing, but then Sydney's eyes turn red too, and she got the red eye thing. And she's like, Jack, can you help me? What should I do? And Jack is like, Yes, I can. And then he does like a long distance mind meld or some shit. Like uh, he wasn't quite controlling her body, like being John Malkovich, but he was more like making suggestions. He was like nudging John Malkovich. He was nudging. Sydney Malkovich. So he's doing moves and she's doing the same moves at the same time. Jack! Turn around. Go. But I don't think he could do it without her mental permission. I don't think it's not like it's not like a puppet thing. It's more like a coach. A simultaneous coach. Anyway, she slash they uh, shoot her bad guy. Bye. And uh, Data finally gets control back from Lord. I'm here, Jordy. And he drops the force fields. But it's, uh, it's too little, too late. Vatic and her away team beat up Shaw. This poor bastard, he can't catch a break. And they make it to the bridge and they take over the ship. Now Vatic has control of the ship. Attention, crew of the Titan. 
warned you it would end this way. So here we are, where we were always going to bring Jack Crusher. Say home. Say come on. Say home. Say bring him home. He must be lost. All right, fine. Close enough. I'm I'm still thinking that it's home. Is it wrong that I'm kind of rooting for her side a little bit? Jack, my dear, if you can hear me, it's time you learned who you truly are. And that's where they leave it. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop podcast for reviews, discussion, examination, and speculation of all things Trek. I am your host, Scott Madison, and I am joined by many panelists today. Going around the circle, we're going to introduce everybody. First, we have Rick. How are you? I am appallingly ancient. Good to know. <laughs> um, joining us as well, we have my very own brother, Tom. How are you? Uh, not as appallingly, but also ancient. Yes, indeed. Three years older than me, I'm allowed to say that. <clears throat> uh, joining us as well uh, from the the always cold, but still preferable to hear, Canada. Nick Yeager, how are you? Middle-aged is not ancient, and no, it is not always cold here. <laughs> Likely colder than than here. The, 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 this is a rabbit hole. Let's uh, let, let's escape from this. Uh, also joining us, we have John Irons. How are you, sir? Good. <laughs> and finally, back with us once again, we have Virginia from not Virginia, but from Texas. How are things going? Um, good. It's hot here. And I'm less ancient than most people on this call, I guess. <laughs> All right, listeners, today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 7 of Star Trek Picard, titled Dominion, written by Jane Maggs and directed by Deborah Campmeyer. Uh, as we do every week, uh, since everyone has already heard uh, John's routinely uh, highly anticipated recap at the top of the show we're going to go around and we're going to get everyone's uh broad stroke uh feelings and general sense of of this episode so we're going to kick it back into reverse order we're going to start with virginia what did you think overall of this episode um i liked it i it wasn't like my favorite episode so far it wasn't my least favorite episode so far it was just kind of like solidly in the middle i liked uh Jordy scene with data slash lore slash zoom slash whoever. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was good. All right. Um, moving along, John, what did you think of this episode? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, the past or the last two or three episodes I thought were, you know, increasingly better and phenomenal. And this was just okay. I thought this episode was okay. Um, like, you know, the last, whatever, 10 minutes with the mind-blowing twist was mind-blowingly mind-blowing. That's, that's probably an exaggeration. Just one. It just blew one mind. Uh, but it was good. I, like, I, I thought this episode in and of itself was 
a pretty okay episode, but it got me very excited to see what's to come. All right. Neek, what did you think this week? Uh, it's probably the worst episode of the season, but still better than uh, previous seasons. <laughs> so I thought it was fine. I thought it was clear that it was a transition episode. So I think if you were to binge the show, you would be fine and you wouldn't even notice the problems with the episode. It's just as a standalone, you, you know, a lot of unanswered questions. So that's a, a bit frustrating, but you, you, we know there's... I trust that the the questions will be answered. So it was fine. I I like how uh, you you gave us the the difference in perspective from viewing it on its own versus what it will be like viewing it during a binge of the season. I, I had not considered that, but that that makes a lot of sense. I will probably be less bored with and annoyed by this episode if I go back and rewatch this season. Yeah, I agree about it being a transition episode. That's yeah, yeah. She, yeah, every, everyone was nodding when you said that. Nick. Well, I think we're all yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah the, the, this this is why she writes the best recaps on the internet because <laughs> she thinks about these things. Tom, what did you think of this episode? I have nothing to add here. I mean, I, it, exactly. It it's not great. It's not awful. It's good. It's a good episode. Um, you know, there's a few things where you're just amazed at the ineptness of a standard Starfleet crew. Mm. You know, I mean, things yeah, were certainly telegraphed great. for for us. You'd think they would have been able to pick up on some of it too, but um, but yeah, and uh, like Nick said, uh, great as a transition episode in that regard you know when you recognize that and i hadn't thought of that before so it's like oh yeah okay it's you know just stepped up its uh, opinion there so mm-hmm. all right rick give it to us uh i like the first five minutes i like the last 15 minutes everything else in between was pretty much filler uh so not too far off base from what y'all are saying i do however want to raise a toast to congratulate Picard for finishing the job that Deep Space Nine started when they introduced Section 31 in turning the Star Trek universe into one that's no more aspirational or fun than any other standard humans are the worst animals in the universe science fiction world. This is what you all have gotten telling me over the years that I'm too hard on the Section 31 idea. Okay, but tell I'm, me I'm how sorry. you really did, did feel. Just, I'm trying not to. Blame us for Section 31. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, did Rick I, just blame I'm, us for Section 31? No, I'm not. Well, actually, all right, no. But we have had this discussion on more than one occasion about how I dislike the, the fact that Section 1 even exists in the Star Trek universe. And I have been told many times, it's what you know it it makes sense it's what would happen we have a cia there's you know and this is the uh i don't know if logical is really the right word to use but this is where that and and i I apologize you guys you guys have not you've given me (laughs) shit for bitching about it you haven't said section 31 should be there so i let me i will clarify that um i mean i i loved uh, 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 Vatic speech. 
it it totally you know her the the this you know the changeling's motivation makes perfect sense but the fact that it came from starfleet and at this point i i didn't even get upset until just right now <laughs> just started getting i real i just realized how angry i am about it but it has taken star trek this this you know for all of its problems in tos roddenberry for all of his flaws tried to create a future that we could aspire to and i've always dreamed of being in the star trek future and and what one of the things when i learned as a as a as a young person about mortality and i was like there's you know i can't possibly live long enough to see a star trek future but it could be there and then uh tng was there and you know yes there are storytelling problems there are i do i do agree that roddenberry's absolute prohibition on interpersonal conflict was not the best idea yes he was a horn dog yes he tried to squeeze in a bunch of stuff that shouldn't have been there but the basic concept that star trek gave us a universe we could look forward to was something i loved and deep space nine almost all of the writers on deep space nine were people who disagreed with that and they tore it down every chance they could and for the most part they did it well they were good stories i loved in the pale moonlight um you know i know that there are you know there, there are some star trek fans who think who think that that was out of line i I thought in the pale moonlight was 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 really well done, but section 31 was a step too far for me. And now we're seeing where it's gone to where st section 31 is now torturing. And whether or not you say the, the changelings had it coming, that is not the point. The point is the Federation is supposed to be better than this. And if you can and you can say, well, section 31 is secret bullshit. It's not anymore. We've seen everybody knows section 31 at this point. Uh, you all even schooled me on that last week. <laughs> Or the when when Riker was talking about it, you're like, well, Cisco and, and Bashir were talking about it, so have, it's not have, secret anymore. I'm sorry, I have a quick question. In the it's been a while since I've seen Deep Space Nine. In the Pale Moonlight, which one is that? That's the one where Cisco uh, gets the Garrick Romulans the to join the Dominion War. Oh, no, sorry. And he works he works with Garrick. What? Oh, okay. No, I was wrong. And the whole thing is a log entry, and at the end, he's like. You know, I cheated, I steal, I robbed, I, I murdered. I was, I'm an accessory to murder, and you know what? I can live with that. And then he's, then he says, "Computer, delete that whole, that whole entry." Uh, I thought that yeah, was a great yeah. episode. Um, I, I actually, I did not plan on this monologue, and I apologize. I didn't realize quite how upset about this whole thing I really am, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoy, I really enjoyed Amanda Plummer's, Plummer's uh, performance. Um, it makes perfect sense. It makes what hadn't made sense make sense. I just hate it for Star Trek. I'll be quiet now. No, you don't, for the record, <laughs> you don't have to, you know, I'm not the host of the show, but as the editor of the show, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to apologize for a a salient and relevant rant. That's right. totally fine. It, it, if it was <laughs> if it was nonsensical uh, blathering, I can that do that was, too. <laughs> that was repeated every week. Then we might say something. But it, as long as you're making good points and well reasoned arguments, then I, I I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, and I, I largely agree with you. I think the only thing I disagree with is the idea that, you know, TOS was aspirational. Like, I know it was meant to be, but it's like, I don't want to live in a world where women can't be captains. So it's like, it was always problematic yeah. is what I'm saying. There have always been things that 
for some members of the audience didn't work and, and didn't fit into the, the larger mold. And so, and I can't disagree. I actually, in the DS9 days, really enjoyed the Section 31 stuff, but you're not wrong. I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. It, I think for me, and th this is not to say that, that Rick has a, um, a particularly uh, myopic or, or restricted view, but uh, any stories, even, even the modern stories like, like this one that uh, involve Section 31 and their machinations to one degree or another, um, I recognize the fact that it's there and it's present, but the existence of Section 31 to me doesn't necessarily darken the image of a more utopian, not completely utopian, but a more utopian Star Trek future because they are not the entirety of that society or of that future. They just take up a lot of the screen when they're here. Except that the Federation, or, or at least Starfleet, you know, I suppose we could say the Federation may not know about them still but starfleet definitely does and starfleet tacitly agree uh, approves with their of their actions and that was my problem that's been my problem with section 31 all along not that they exist you know i have no problem with starfleet having a black ops organization it's the fact that they made it secret from even the federation and that they had no moral compass that they would do the the things you don't want to do um and and i that retcons a whole foundation of immorality through, you know, they say they were there from the beginnings of the of the Federation. So, mm -hmm. and we saw we saw Section Thirty One in 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 uh, Enterprise. Enterprise. Mm -hmm. No, and we, and I wouldn't say that the things that Section Thirty One does. I I don't approve of of the behaviors or the actions of section 31, but I do very much support the existence of section 31 in this storytelling universe, in this narrative that has been built because it does add, uh, you know, an interesting dramatic aspect to the storytelling while at the same time. Yeah. They're not good people. And it does besmirch the, the, the reputation of Starfleet and I think one of the differences between the way, Rick, you look at it, and at least the way I look at it, probably some other people look at it, not necessarily on this panel, but the way other people look at it as well, is um, you, the, the respect and the love that you have for what is the fictional Starfleet is legitimate. And it is affected by the existence in universe of Section 31, which makes absolute sense. I, for whatever reason, maybe I'm a bit more sociopathic. I am not bothered by that as much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a sociopath. <laughs> Obviously. I, for me, if, if we're all just weighing in on this, um, I lean more towards Scott's perspective. Although included in that perspective is my understanding of yours, Rick. Um, Star Trek, the Federation is at its core, this is what we can achieve. These are the humans that we could be. This is how great society, our race, our planet 
could um, become if we get our shit together. I don't usually go there, but as a black man in America, me equating Section 31 to the CIA fits perfectly. I recognize that the overall government ostensibly is for the good and that society ostensibly is working toward a brighter future and that there is an aspect of said government that does really dirty shit that the government covers for in its mind in service to the greater good. So while I accept and hope for and frankly believe in the potential for humanity to get to a Star Trek future. I recognize that both things historically have been true. And even in the future, it is likely both things will be true. And while I would be perfectly accepting of a Star Trek that didn't have a Section 31, I'd probably like it better, honestly. It does provide a believable storytelling feeling. And, and here's the other thing. I don't think Section 31 is held up as a good thing. No, I'm not saying in, it is. In, in, any, in any Star Trek. Like, no one's saying, like, they're not the A-team. They're not the good guys. They're the real heroes. Yeah, they're bullshit, horrible people. Um, and I think if it provides you any modicum of comfort, I don't think that will ever change. At least I hope not. I've, I've never seen Section 31 shown to be a good thing in a Star Trek show. And I think as long as that is the perspective of the shows and the storytellers, I personally can accept it as a part of this universe, as long as everybody, even if they accept it, they accept it as a necessary evil. The, I, I, and I dig that. And, I, and that, that seems to be the, the, the more prevailing opinion. Um, the Star Trek I grew up with, and I know you all grew up with it too, um, up until about, well, until right after Gene died, but not quite hard on the heels of it, up until about maybe season five or six of TNG, Star Trek was mainly allegory. It was really not meant to be taken as, you know, straight up, this is happening. We're not trying to, to, to show a future that will be. Um, you know, that's why, you know, when people start bending over backwards trying to explain Darmok, you're not supposed to. It's an allegory. It's, 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 it's metaphor. It's, just, you know, like the, it's, you're not supposed to try to take it literally because no, it doesn't work literally. And a lot of stuff in early Star Trek and early TNG doesn't. And then we got into DS9 and they started trying to make the Star Trek universe more quote unquote real. And so in a real universe, yes, there's going to be evil. There's going, you know, there's not going to be this, you know, we all get along uh, uh, mentality that Roddenberry wanted to have happen. And I know it sounds like I'm a Roddenberry purist. And yes, I used to be. I, you know, finally got past that. Um, but I think that 
there was a there was an ideal whether how well or, or poorly it was realized there was an ideal that later writers uh, didn't want to deal with or felt was too hampering or or whatever I've, I've heard lots of different reasons um, and I miss that like when I think about the Star Trek universe I would want to live in um, you know part of me you know TOS was you know that's that's what 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 Star Trek was when I was a child TNG was the nice shiny new up-to-date Star Trek and now and it's been getting progressively grittier and more real with each incarnation and now we are fi we've finally gotten to the place where yes we the human beings are just as bad as everybody else unless you know, we still have a few episodes to go unless the fact that this was what caused what's happening now is finally the nail in the coffin for Section 31 and nobody can ignore them anymore. Then I'll eat then I'll eat my words on that. And that just that just occurred to me right now. Um, but uh, no, I, and I, I I get what you're saying. I've heard this arg argument, not really argument, just point of view before on, on Section 31. I and I fully understand it and I fully appreciate it. I just wish it wasn't there. So my view of the episode overall. Meh. So moving on to the general discussion, how about Tuvok, everybody? <laughs> it was Two great to see mind. him. Yeah, see, there we go. Yeah. <clears throat> or did we? <laughs> We didn't. We saw a changeling. Um, so, I, we're here now. We're recording this on the Monday after the episode came out. So, it's been a couple days. So, now we can just go ahead and jump right in and say, who did not know he was going to be there when they watched the episode? I did I not know, know he was going to be there. Okay. I willfully went and spoiled that one. And then was disappointed at how little he was there. It, yeah. It... I think, see, rather than jumping in with talking about the scene that he was in, I'm going to start off by talking about how the ever-present the spoilers seem to be. I watched the episode early on Thursday, early for me, so it was like 10 a.m. when I sat down to watch the episode. And within five minutes of finishing the episode, I'm looking at my phone and I see... Um, uh, an advertisement or uh, a thumbnail for the accompanying episode of The Ready Room with his face on it. Yeah. Even the actual people making the content didn't give a damn about spoiling his presence the morning of the episode. And that shocked me. And I haven't heard talk, I haven't heard this much talk of spoilers for an episode of Picard so far this season but on thursday i i i saw more comments about the about his appearance being spoiled than i saw about his appearance i so, even left them a note uh, a comment on the, the youtube channel because it was like you know <laughs> i you know i uh, i was i wasn't even you, you said stay away from the ready room so i did i was watching a music video and i just happened to glance off to the right in the, the things and there was a picture of Tim Russ and I was like oh Tim Russ ready room god damn it <laughs> that's yeah. all it takes just that little bit 
<clears throat> and like last week, well, you know, obviously there last week, but um, you know, on the the ready room before this one, the previous episode, that like uh, it's such a secret we can't even show you who's there. So, you know, don't watch. You know, it, it, and like they made a big deal about it being a secret guest on the ready room, which I thought was great because I actually guessed wrong. I thought it was going to be uh, someone playing Alexander. Um, not that I cared enough to actually verbally guess, but just if you ask. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. That that morning, I'm like, if you cared, obviously you know it's a thing. You know, you don't want to spoil it. At least wait until I don't know five or six o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, not that the internet wouldn't spoil it, but you don't have to. Like, leave that to them. Yeah. So. Aside from uh, his appearance being spoiled, uh, is, did anyone have anything else they wanted to uh, uh, contribute regarding his scene, the uh, the way they wrote it <clears throat> with trying to figure out if it's him being convinced, not convinced, the, the, the bait and switch? It was good. Why it, was, was, it was well done. Why was she the only one like in visual range of like, were they trying to, were they trying to disguise who was on the ship versus not on the ship? That was something that I wondered, like, because Seven just sitting there in the center chair and nobody else in sight, but we see them off to the sides. I, I, that was my headcanon, was that was, they were trying to, except, you know, Jordy's yelling from off screen every 30 seconds. <laughs> and Seven is very clearly looking at people on either side of the bridge. Uh, I, I assumed that part of it was, even though... Tuvok or the changeling in his place uh, would assume that there were other people on the bridge. It's only one person to focus on. If it's really Tuvok, then it's his old friend and shipmate to focus on. And that way, if it's a changeling, they can't see the the tells and the giveaways on the faces of the other people who are trying to figure out whether or not he's who he says he is. They don't have to. They don't have to put up a front and and play it straight like Seven was. Or maybe it was just this. This season was filmed still during COVID, and they only had to bring Jerry Ryan in, and nobody else was in the scene. I just, yes, that's the head cannon. I'm sure that's why Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> that fits in the. All right. I just presume that they needed. Uh, their various terminals to do computer things. They're doing their lie detector thing over here and Jordy's doing his, um, you know, uh, keep us from getting tracked thing over there. And so they were just at the stations to do those things. And so like what, what, what you guys were talking about, is, I think was probably true, but, but secondary to just the necessity of where they needed to be standing. Yeah. They but, did make a point though of doing a wide shot of showing that it was just her with no one in the in the, the two chairs on either side. So it, it did it did seem to have some significance. Yeah. Also they significant. Still kind of sent stuff to the terminal right there on her chair instead of the yes yeah, yeah. flying. Yeah, she doesn't have to. Forward. She doesn't have to do the, the turnaround. But it's also undeniable that, from a cinematography point of view, to have a a wide shot of the bridge with. Jerry Ryan in the captain's chair. Not the worst thing in the world to look at. 
I one of the reasons this episode was less impressive to me than the past two or three was the direction, the directing of this episode. It it was not as good to me. I yeah. I, I have some issues with the with, with this episode as well, and I think some of them probably would come down come down to to the direction. Some of it is also the the writing and the plotting, but direction as well. Um, I'm sure we'll get to those as we as we cross them. I, I tried to take rather than notes on like specific lines or moments, I tried to take notes of like story beats that we can that we can move through one by one. The next one that I came to after this first scene with Tuvok was in the observation lounge where uh, Beverly was voicing her moral dilemma about trying to track the changelings. Anyone have any particular feelings about that? Yeah, I was perfectly in in I well we'll get we'll get to where I have a problem later. Um but at that point no, I, I, I think that's a very Beverly thing to say that you know, she doesn't want to cross a line. I'm just gonna go ahead and agree with whatever Rick is going to say later, because I think I agree with what Rick is gonna say later. <laughs> <laughs> I found it a a little odd, yet still very TNG Beverly. But I wasn't sure if I if I could quite get on board with her feeling like find just finding a way to track them using their biology is tantamount to genocide. Finding a way to 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 injure them, to destroy them based on their biology, that might be genocide. And that's biological warfare, but finding a way to track them, which is exactly what she does later in the episode. It it it, se- it seemed like a bit of a jump. Mm, I'm trying to find except, a way trying to find a way that we can track them down, but I don't ex- want to kill all of them, so we can't do that. Except the way she finds to track them later is what was because of what was done to them by Starfleet. Mm-hmm. That was not a natural. Uh, feature of the changeling. A a fair delineation. I mean, I know it's 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 you know it, it's splitting hairs a bit, but we're into the ethical territory in this episode where hairs must be split. For want of a better <laughs> way to put that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next scene that we move on to in this episode is. The, the the first scene in this episode featuring uh, what I might refer to as as the Sundroid. Hold on, I, I want to okay. go back. Okay. So Beverly's worried about the moral implications of finding a way to um, track or identify the changeling. I, I guess I, I'm struggling a little bit on that. Okay, and Rick pointed out that you know she finds the way later the with, that Starfleet did to him. You know, you could argue that that method with that uh, whatever uh, compound that they used, you know, that could be weaponized. But you know, there was uh, a next gen episode where they were able to track and locate. Um, some people they were looking for based on platinum 
in something that they carried with them. Mm. You know, Angel One is the episode. Yeah. Um, you really want to use that one as the basis of your. <laughs> okay. We're not talking uh, about the story, so it's okay. <laughs> or Torres, I think, locked on the transporter based on the calcium in the away team's bones. I like something similar to that. Basically, I'm just questioning how how morally difficult is it to just find a way to be able to identify who's a changeling and who's not. Um, some of them, sure, might be able to be weaponized, but, you know, if they're just trying to find something unique about them that their sensors can detect and track, you know. Beverly has always been very aware of the slippery slope, though. And I thought that was, you know, whether it's uh, you know, logical or not, uh, it makes total sense for her to say, we need to consider the ramifications of what we're doing. Yeah, it, it was possibly the, the most in character from a TNG standpoint that she's been so far this season. Yeah, I didn't read what she said as like, oh, is it moral to track them? I read it as I'm aware of the slippery slope. If we start tracking them, eventually we'll start targeting them and then we'll start killing them. So she, she wasn't saying like, oh, is it bad to track? She was saying, is it bad to kill? Right. Okay. She, she was worried about what finding a way to track them might lead to. And I think that's, what, that's how I read it. I think what bothered me about it is considering the immediacy of the situation, I would have thought that even Beverly would say, it's more important for us to find a way to track them now and we can we can find a way to to stop the descent down the slippery slope tomorrow. But she that's what she did. She said, oh, since I have you here, guys, I've been working on this thing. I want your input. That's exactly what she did. She's like, I'm, she didn't say I'm not doing it. She said, Here's, this is where this is going, and you need to be aware. And this is why I'm uncomfortable. You know, this is why that, I'm uncomfortable with it. And, yeah, that, and, Picard that's, that's said, and Picard said what he would say, which is, okay, well, right now it's not an issue. Keep working with it, and we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. I don't have yep, yep. Uh, if and when it seemed, becomes actual. You're, yeah. you're absolutely right. The scene played out as I think it should. Have. It was a lot like the uh, Borg, that visual puzzle thing with uh, Hugh. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the paradox. Yeah. Where, you know, they developed it and then questioned the moral implications of doing that. Mm -hmm. I, what what and, happened and here. It, and it would also, it also makes sense that you would be especially on guard, I guess, edgy about it, given the full context of the Dominion War and that they engineer, they bioengineered a virus to, to kill them. Yeah, the, the and, fact and that Section 31 yeah. has done it once before already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took my, my first blush reaction to her dilemma, and I did not factor in all of the surrounding dialogue. And I'm realizing that's what happened. So the, the main problem I had with that scene, with that moment, wasn't that much of a problem after all, because they actually addressed it in the scene. I just didn't catch it. I didn't retain that. That's my fault. But luckily, John did. May I uh, you, add John. a bit of rampant speculation just for a moment? Yes, not just John, though. <laughs> we, were, we were a chorus. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Um, 
it just occurred to me that when we said how Section 31 came up with this uh, this virus against the, the changelings originally, and don't you think they would have thought of that? And if they're engineering these these uh, changeling agents, that they would have put in a kill switch of some kind. I so, think one I'm of I'm sure the, they thought they did. What one of the prevailing aspects of Section 31 that we have seen all along is they really suck at their job. Well, they are Starfleet security related. Yeah, they are in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my headcanon for, for that, Tom, would be that I'm sure that they intended to have a failsafe in there somewhere, but uh, Vatic managed to uh, escape the test tube and take over the doctor before that could be done. Or they're just still waiting to see how it plays out. (laughs) Next up, we have the introduction in this episode of uh, Data, Lore, everybody else in the party. You mean the Um, interminable middle section? uh, Yeah. I, I have feelings about this. I... From the from the jump in this scene, they are they're treating the scene as a way to bring what seems like brand new viewers who have never watched before up to speed on who this is. If you know if you have a general sense of who Data is as a character, okay, and they're gonna fill in all the rest. I, the a great example is when Jordy mentions Lore, Picard's response is Data's brother. Yes, of course, Data's <laughs> brother. Yeah. This, you do not need to clarify that. Who else is he going to be talking about? Of course, we. Uh, yes, it's Lore. You talked to him yesterday. <laughs> I. So they had to drop in that it's Lore's brother. They had to re-explain the separation between data and lore inside the positronic brain they decided since last week that soong and b4 are memory files only even though they talked to the crew as well last week they completely omit any mention of the presence of lal which was also mentioned last week that she was in there as well so their retcon play her so he can't do her (laughs) they're retconning uh, they could you think that Spiner can't come up with like a fifth inflection to throw in there to make it sound like someone else? Help make Lyle sound like Bob Wheeler from Night Court. I don't give a damn. They can do it. They they open this scene with a refresher to bring everyone back up to speed and retcon stuff that happened from the week before. All of that in this scene. And it bothered me. Well, not just that scene. The, the scene with the previous scene, uh, Picard, Jordy, and and Beverly started with a ton of exposition that was just recap. Mm-hmm. I, I joked in my recap that it was like, is, is this for people who are just now starting to yeah. watch this show? Like, <laughs> yep. who is this for? Yeah, the only good thing that came out of the whole data scene, and you know, I, the the last two episodes I purposely didn't rewatch because I was saying, you know, it was the second time through the pacing issues showed up this time the pacing issues were obvious from the get-go so i i watched it again today and boy does that data stuff just drag 
and it's like, oh, what a shock, lore one. You know, it's just, but the one good thing that came out of that scene was something I was curious about is Picard said, years ago, Dana begged me to let him go. And so now we have some sort of a, an idea of how long it's been since the last mm-hmm. season of Picard. Yeah, I, I noted that as well. That, that So the end of season one was apparently years ago, however many years he's referring to. Season two, who knows? That might have been last month. Don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, but they are giving us a sense of the, the passage of time between the seasons, which, which I liked. I will at least give credit. Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. I agree with all of you. <laughs> that shit was ridiculous. <laughs> Literally, like you said, because like Picard's like, is Lore in there too? It's like you know he's in there. <laughs> you like, were what? there when Rafi was reading you were the right goddamn there. <laughs> Like, like they could have just had him say something like. I see you didn't get rid of Lord, or uh, nice to see you again. Something, but don't be surprised that he's there. You know he's there. Yeah, you've been here the whole time. I'm like, are they telling us he's really losing his mind? <laughs> <laughs> Is the syndrome taking root in this positronic body? Everyone seems to be forgetting. Is it? I think Is he experiencing should... straight up memory loss at this point. Yeah, we should. We we should show him, um, Alondra. Let's let's show him. Activate cognitive fun- functions only. So he can show us exactly what we already saw him do. This, yeah, this is this is not news. So here's what I think, and I don't know if this counts as headcanon or whatever, but I I feel like it is an explanation. (laughs) But it is an outside of universe explanation, because when we saw uh, Riker get captured and taken aboard the Shrike. He says, ooh, look at this guy. Look at how much of that goose shit they put in you. At this point, he doesn't know what we know now. I'm sure they did. I mean, unless off-screen Vatic explained to him, you know, the big reveal that we got this week. So I think, honestly, I think there were editing mistakes. I think that scene, I think they didn't know when they wanted to show. Because him being taken aboard the Shrike, doesn't necessarily have to happen last week in con- continuity wise that could have happened later he could we just know that he's been captured by Vatic. yeah they might have just they might have just admitted that whole scene they could have she Vatic transforms and then that's all you see and that and that would have been enough and then the next time that scene was and when that scene was supposed to play it would have been after this scene where Vatic explains by the way we're people with goo shit inside of us uh point to you scott by the way you, you, you called it weeks ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, wet, bake, wet bacon IV. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and I think that this is another case of that, where they're like, okay, well, we're not sure where we're going to put things yet. So, you know, just have an exposition here, have an exposition then, and then we'll piece it together later. But this way we're covered in case we decide, like, no matter what. And I, and I think some things... Some people knew or learned things before they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And and this is why Picard is surprised that data contains all, like, yeah. They weren't sure how they were going to reveal it, and so they filmed it a few different ways. And they weren't as attentive as they should have been. When they that, sounds, together. 
Sounds quite reasonable. And, yes. and also, and and this is this is the 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 techno wonk in me, but we we know that Starfleet security, compsec secure, uh, compsec procedures are woefully lacking. Why plug the thing that has lore into it into the ship? <laughs> I, I have that later on in my notes, but yes, Thank absolutely. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'll I can. That. I can understand plugging him into a computer because you yeah, need to be air able gap to interface. The <laughs> exactly, exactly. That needs to be a separate, self-contained system. Even if he was going to jump it, and even if he hacked in to get through, and you know, whatever, he he at least acknowledged that there was some sort of security that he was in a sandbox and get out. Not just like, oh, let's plug him into the ship. <laughs> What's the problem with that? That doesn't go wrong right there. And, everything that everyone knew was going to go wrong. Yeah, and it, you know, do it once, okay, but you don't just leave him plugged in. Right. Okay, well, we turned him off again. So we're 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 moving on to to execute the trap now because we're going to bring the bad guys onto the ship and we're going to trap them. We're going to do a horribly shitty job of it. But while we're doing that, we're going to leave lore plugged in. But I thought that was data. No, for all intents and purposes, we have to think that that's lore because that's the dangerous one. That. We have to think worst case scenario, so we have to think that lore is plugged in, not data. It was that that was just clown shoes. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I like one of the things that I like most about Shaw is that he's like, okay, this is stupid. Like he will, like I feel like where was Shaw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shaw this episode. He should have been there saying, goddamn thing from yeah, my shit right out the reality of shit. <laughs> but I feel like he's just, he's like taking a back seat now. Like even in the conference room where they were talking about like when it was Jordy and. Um, Beverly and Picard. Like, where was Shaw? He, shouldn't he have been in there? I feel like he, that's he. He's missing a lot of important meeting. Well, he, when Worf and Raffi came on board, and they asked Picard for per permission to come aboard. Right. <laughs> Wrong yeah. guy. It's like, it's like Beverly taking over. <laughs> Think that, that is slowly turning this back into Enterprise. Yeah. 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 The, the, this is why Shaw was crying when he got thrown onto the bridge. It's because he realized I've it's finally happened. I have utterly and completely lost control of my fucking ship. Oh, well, I didn't wake you assholes for dinner. <laughs> I knew this show could happen. As long as we're we're nitpicking here, have, I, I don't y'all didn't talk about the phasers while I was gone, did you? The fact that. No. Some changelings are apparently, it takes a lot of shots to put them down. Others just vaporize immediately. Um, yeah, so inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, that and, very and literally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the, the, the just oceans of time that pass with no one firing a phaser when they really, really should be. Good guys and bad guys. The, the use of weapons, the execution of the trap, the, uh, no, no. We're, we're going to get to that when we get to the scenes that involve the trap, but... You know, I, I feel like this this all goes back to, like, with... I mean, yeah, I have issues with some of the directing, but even just the editing. Like, if this episode was edited better, it would be a better episode. I mean, I guess you could say about any episode, but, like, like there were flaws that would have been fixed if they had, if they had cut this differently. Yeah, you're not right. I agree. I agree. Um, and since when do, never mind, we're not there yet. No, no, okay. <laughs> since when can you beat a force field down? Oh, yep, that's in my notes too. Is it, does punching hurt a force field? When did this happen? Why are you so chill out, Sydney? Why are you worried? Um, 
So we move on to uh, this week's scene between Vatic and Liquid Baconhead. And I took particular note, and actually Virginia took note of this as well. Um, uh, Liquid Baconhead says to Vatic, you and your kind. Which indicates a division, some type of separation or difference between whoever Vatic is talking to and Vatic herself. Now, I've got a theory, but I'm curious what everyone else thinks about what that means. Well, when he first said it, I assumed that they were some subclass of changelings, but then by the end of the episode, I assumed he was talking about the nine that had been tortured into becoming tools of Section 31. Ten. It was ten ten total, but but now who knows? But how many has she killed? (laughs) Or are they, well... Are, are they the advanced changelings or are they the regular changelings? That's, that's also a good question. And which, also... Which they are you referring to? The, the, I think, I think Her Ripper crew? is referring to the Birdbeak crew members. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also don't forget that she did mention in her monologue that she is able to teach that. She can pass it on. So who knows right. how many of these yeah, ed- more advanced changelings exist now? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, there's, yeah. we don't, we can't limit it to the number of that were initially in the lab because she said she can make more yeah it it started with 10 but but who knows where it is now uh yeah that that was my assumption as well is that the the floating head changeling is is either a regular changeling that is hitching a ride on or in her body or dropping a piece of herself into that dish allows for like a a, a version of a subspace communication where a changeling from another location is like channeling itself through the hand that she dropped into the into the walk. I presume the latter. Why does yeah. it have to be another changeling? If she's it's dropping that piece. And, and... Oh, oh, but if oh, Tom has a very good point. If it's someone, let let's say I, I'm I'm just going to pick one. Let, let's say it's um, let's say it's a Vorta. Maybe they made a power grab. If a Vorta is transmitting to the Shrike and speaking through her goo hand, it's going to look like goo. So the goo hand that she drops into the bowl, it might just be making an approximation of a face of whoever she's talking to. But while she is not necessarily talking to a changeling, I had not considered that before, but I like that. Like future guy. Yes, like future guy. I would forgive a lot if it turned out that an a an old Wayun played by Jeffrey Combs was behind all of this. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what this might do, Rick? If it's not a changeling that she is talking to, but rather someone else speaking through her changeling hand floating in that bowl. It would prevent another war. It, it does open up the possibility of it actually being the bluegill parasites from season one of t- TNG. I suppose. Oh. <laughs> Agree with Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next scene that I have in the notes, um, I, I took a specific note of the scene in the turbo lift and how Jack has got no game when it comes to flirting. Unless he can read someone's mind, which... And he, and even then, he's got no game. Yeah, then it's just creepy stuff. 
Yeah, now it just becomes creepy. It's like, wait a minute. I was thinking that, and then you did it. Why did you do that? That's even worse than being bad at flirting by overtly saying, are your quarters nice? Because my quarters are nicer. By the <laughs> way, I'd like to hang out sometime. What the hell are you doing? Well, yeah, remember, he, he's a Picard, not a Kirk. No, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. You do not no. inherit your No, your no. Skills. They have established him as a charming rogue. That's his yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But I, even I thought if, he even was if, charming. Even if, even if he's spitting bullshit, he should be able to do it with charm and not be, he's not like the fucking nerd from a John Hughes movie. <laughs> so maybe I'm projecting because of who I am, but I read that scene as Sydney is the weird one who can't pick up on flirtation cues. To me, it was like very clear. He's being super overt about what he wants. And she's like, what's going on? Is he into me? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> Sydney, you're not wrong. You're, you're dumb. And then she, he reads her mind and then he acts creepy and then she and then she's legitimately creeped out. So that was fine. But previous to that, I, I thought she was just she couldn't pick up on, on the cues because she is weird. Yeah, they 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 both. She's well, a LaForge. I, I should say I had. Ah, there you go. <laughs> she is a LaForge. Um, I don't know. I, I did have some problems with the both of them in in that scene. But I mean, for Jack, the charming rogue to say, I, I'd love to hang out sometime or not or not if you, you you're... that was fine but in your quarters what the f dude no <laughs> no the time why don't we go to fake 10 forward and have a drink like a normal person asking someone else but they already stole a cloak together that's first base sure. <laughs> it is not unreasonable to go straight to quarters after that that's how it works guys but no it's if if he goes straight to quarters then he skips going to the hollow 10 forward and you'll notice we didn't see Hollow Ten Forward this episode. They must have hit their ROI on that set. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I noticed in that scene while they were in the turbo lift is, considering how uncomfortable Jack was with the idea of getting into a Starfleet uniform before, and I know that he was uncomfortable because he was wearing one in his dream. Now he's wearing a different uniform. One, why are they allowing him to continue to wear a uniform? He is not in Starfleet. And two, why would he do that in the first place? Why They're would he wear it? too busy to give a shit about what yeah, he's wearing. <laughs> he already had his other jacket. He could have put his regular jacket back on. But now he's yeah, wearing have, one of those cool jacket. Starfleet jackets, one of those super cool I want one because they are badass new well, Starfleet jackets. I think he saw the jacket and like any of us is like, me want. Yes. Okay. You know <laughs> what? Fair I, play. Fair I've, play. I've, I've, I've had your back for like your past three or four rants, Scott, but no. <laughs> I'm sorry. When Scott said that, you know, Jack had this issue getting into a Starfleet uniform, I really thought he was going to go on about trying to get into a Starfleet uniform. <laughs> that's, that's where I thought he was going to. Thought it was implied. <laughs> no, didn't, didn't even cross my mind. I didn't. Uh... So who's the one who doesn't have game? <laughs> Probably the twice divorced guy. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, I'm pointing to myself. I don't know. I find I find <laughs> the the earlier interactions between Jack and Sydney were very cute. Um, yes. This yeah. kind of. I'm, on the I'm last sure. episode, the, the, the cloaking device stealing episode, that was, yeah. that was cute. That was it was nice. It was 
good. And there was real chemistry between the two of them. And literally everybody picked up on it. Yeah, it it was working. Last week it was it was working not just for them but also for the viewer. Well, he got really intimidated by Jordy. The stay away from my daughter. (laughs) And then they immediately went and stole his cloaking device. No, that's actually a legitimate point, Tom. That he was more confident in his flirting prior to Jordy telling him to stay away from Sydney. So, hey, maybe that is what made him be a bit more shy the second time around. But that, I, does, I, that still doesn't explain why Sydney was such an idiot about it. Mm. I'm I, fine with Sydney being an idiot about it because she's not established to have not been an idiot when it comes to this stuff. We haven't seen her in this context. <laughs> but he is clearly... Huh? I'm sorry. She's been awkward throughout. Like, I mean, her first appearance is she's standing there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, that's so. That's what I said. Like, I I read it as her being the weird one. Uh, well, I I read it as her being the one going. You know, we're kind of busy right now. This is not date time. This is we're trying to save our lives and the ship and the galaxy and Starfleet. And, um, we can go have a soda pop later if you want. <laughs> now is not the time. Yeah. It. And, you know, try to play it cool. And now is not the time for flirting. Play it cool and touch my hand because that's way less creepy and and overt and awkward than trying to make good conversation. This episode was just <clears throat> not as good. It was mm. it was like for a lot of reasons, it was not as good as. But and you know what this is? This is <laughs> sorry. This is the Picard that I've expected after season one and two, but they raised the bar so high with the last yeah. few episodes that this is like you know curse you for making me hope <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they they did the only thing we got out of this scene i think that again kind of like you know getting one thing out of the the interminable data scene is the fact that jack does not have aromatic syndrome there is something more with him because he's reading minds he's he's pulling a wharf and quark thing with having her mm-hmm. fight the the, the uh that was, changeling that was cool. dude that was really or cool. not fight him just get out of the way and stuff you know there's a lot more to this than he's just got some bad wiring in his head and then with with uh Vatic's last thing it's time you knew who you really are you know i think we're, we're closing in on that mm-hmm. i right. hope so yeah can we yeah. just jump to that part yeah. <laughs> can we yeah. talk about that like... stuff this is something that i hope they give us next or in in episode eight, preferably sooner rather than later in the episode. And <clears throat> thank you, Rick, because you reminded me of something that I took down in my notes about the data scene, um, but I forgot to mention. Uh, when they finally get through to data and he is answering the question and he mentions anomalous form in Picard's scan, previous diagnosis of Eremonic syndrome in question. Oh, right. Yes. So. It sound it really sounds like what they're doing is is they're pulling a big retcon, reaching all the way back to all good things. And whatever it was that gave Beverly the readings that indicated a a predisposition to Eremotic syndrome in all good things was something else entirely. Yes. Sounds like they're going to say that it was maybe a changeling. Which is not outside of the realm of possibility because if I'm getting my timeline straight, we already knew of the existence of the Dominion before TNG ended. 
Yes. So it's possible that. Oh, yeah, it would well, have to even, be. Even <clears throat> even if it wasn't before TNG ended, even if the show ended, they were still on the Enterprise doing stuff. So it could have happened during the, you know, somewhere in in the movies. <laughs> In the, it, in, the, in the movie timeline. It could have, but Beverly found it during that episode. In in the, the, the present timeline of All Good Things. So it would have to be before, yeah, yeah, the, before the closing credits of the TNG finale. But with the uh-huh. way the timeline is set up, I think it's still possible that maybe if, if the Changelings had, had been doing some really early infiltration into, into the Federation, they might have been able to sneak something in. I don't know. I'm... I'm filling in a lot of gaps with some big suppositions, but it sounds like they're going to rewrite history a little bit and say that Picard's Eremotic Syndrome was something else, which did end up being uh, transferred to Jack somehow. Although, come to think, now that I think about it, they never said, and remember we were questioning in season one, season one or season two? Season Season one of Picard. They never said Eremotic Syndrome. It was in it was in the Q future, but Beverly said you have a predisposition to a lot of things, one of which is Eremotic Syndrome. And then Picard's doctor friend was like, you know, there's something wrong with your brain, but they were very careful never to say Eremotic Syndrome. Yeah, I noticed that. They were dancing around the term in season one. And we talked I assumed about that it was a Nick Locarno, <laughs> Tom Paris type of that's licensing what we, issue. That's what we thought at the time, too. But now, not that I think I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know that we want to give this writer's room credit for being that, having that much foresight. But maybe somebody else noticed and went, hey, we can use this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they did it so that maybe they could use it in the future. Right. Uh, bottom line, we're all interested for this question to finally be answered because we're getting close to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for this question, my patience is wearing thin. Uh, let's see. Before we get on to the chase, I just took a quick note about the conversation between Jack and Picard in the observation lounge. Lounge. After Jack saw those those weird red red creepers in the hallway. He's going to run to dad because he's he doesn't know what's going on. He's getting freaked out. So he's having a conversation with Picard and he says to him, do you have any idea what it's like to know that people are dying, will die? All for what? For me? Kid, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> do you like, have any idea who you're talking to? That's why Beverly didn't want you to know him. Like, Were you paying attention in 10 Forward when Shaw had his little PTSD moment? Obviously, he knows what it's like. I you thought know, it. I thought it was a bit tone deaf to have Jack say that, and I thought it was a big missed opportunity for Picard to not, and and not to call him out, not to make him feel bad, but to try to make him feel better. Say, yes, you know, I know how that feels. No, I understand. Just, stop trying to fix that scene. That, that was dumb. There was no reason <laughs> to say that. I'm telling you, man. I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> I I've think, had it with like there was no reason for them to for the writing on this show to be bad. There was no reason for it. We've had two, three, arguably four episodes of not just better writing, but really good writing. And this is the bullshit that I didn't like in season one and two. 
Like, no, there was no, of course he, like, and then, like you said, even if, if you're going to set it up, why not follow it up? You didn't need to say it, because we all know. It's like, it should have been a subtext thing, they made it a loud text thing, and then they didn't do it right. I want to, seriously, like, <laughs> can we just cut to the part where he's mind controlling? Well, well just, just really quick, I just, I just want to say this really quickly, because I think this is one of the things I've said many times about Star Trek incarnations from from the the uh, the J.J. Abrams movies on is there's been a lot of really crappy writing, there's been some hideous design and visual choices, but most of the casting has been really good. I think that if they had cast a 23 year old actor to play Jack, a lot of the problems we've had with this wouldn't be there because it would make sense. For someone who's not freaking 35 <laughs> to say to Jean-Luc Picard, do you know what it's like to have the universe trying to kill you? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It would not. It would not make sense for this character to say that. Of course he does. Of course he does. He's not stupid. He's not he's a he's clever. He picks up he's 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 a people person. Of course he knows. Even yeah. I agree with both of you because <laughs> right because yes, a twenty-two year olds in real life really are that dumb. Mm -hmm. But then again, this is Star Trek where they start taking like calculus at age eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. So yeah. Next up, we have what everyone's been waiting for—the big trap that they set for Vatic and her crew. Oh boy. They lure the Shrike in what I thought was a fairly decent way. They found the wreckage of a of a Vulcan ship. I don't know where this wreckage was. It might have still been Chintaka in the Chintaka Four scrapyard. In the Chintaka scrapyard, or it might have been. They might have gone somewhere else to find it. I don't know. But I love the inclusion of the Chintaka scrapyard, referencing both battles of Chintaka in DS Nine. Loved that. Yeah, that was great. That that little reference, I thought it was. That's great. where okay. I knew I'd heard the word before, and oh, I thought it. I Chintaka? Thought it, yeah. I thought it was the scrapyard from peak, not uh, from uh, Unification Part One. But then I looked it up, and that was not the. It was not that place. And yeah, I. I forget the name of that scrapyard. It, yeah, the, the, it, it the was one the something something four. It was. Yeah, the the one the Zach Dorn was running. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Chintaka was the site of two major Dominion War battles. Uh, on DS9, it's in okay. uh, it's in the Cardassian system. Um, it was it was a nice reference for the people who who remember it. I I really appreciated it. They find the Vulcan ship, the the, the VSS Taplana. Very nice. They lure the Shrike. Okay, nicely done. I really enjoyed Amanda Plummer's performance as she is telling them to get ready, get a boarding party, shuttle no transporters. And when her, what I assume is her exo, is saying, you know, it might be a trap. Her performance in saying, but it, it it's right there. We're gonna, we're running out of time. Just, she she really nailed it. I, to sidetrack on Amanda Plummer's performance, I was worried at the beginning of the season that she was going to be playing it a little too crazy. But as the episodes have gone on, and now we're here in episode seven, especially with the story that she tells in this episode she's she's playing that crazy just right because everything that was done in that lab with the experiments it has messed her up and especially now with this backstory all of her behaviors all of her uh her, her mannerisms 
the idiosyncrasy, idiosyncrasies that she is building into the character, they're all making so much sense. And I'm retroactively loving every scene of hers even more than I did before. She's nailing it this season, and I love it. As a college theater teacher, I have seen a lot of people act, quote-unquote, crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to remember, We there was one series, there was something in one of the series we talked about in the in the last few years where somebody was being crazy and i was like that was just cringy because it was like the stereotypical college student i'm being crazy and i love the subtlety and the not so subtlety of amanda of amanda's performance she is rapidly becoming right in my opinion right up there with Maltelbon as as con as just oh yeah she's great um you know i i think you know we've got khan we've got uh uh gul dukat mm -hmm. and and now we've got vatic <clears throat> of characters who are their their sanity is totally in question but the performances are so beautifully done kai that Wynn. you're not they're not just you know yes she's eating kai up Wynn. the scenery who kai win Oh, Kai Wynn, yeah. But Kai Wynn never really lost her mind. She was just kind of... She totally did. Well, right. right. <laughs> it, her, her whole arc was a descent into madness. She just, it, it, just, couldn't, yeah. she just couldn't hide it anymore at the end. It, it, was a, it was a slow descent into into a thirst and lust for power with a little bit of madness, and then you get into the second half of season seven, and it straight down. Yeah. A direct fall into madness. Um, yes, all, all of it is great. Um, and we should, I think, give particular plaudits to Amanda for the absolute 180 turn that she does when she is talking to the floating goo head. The terror, the quiet terror in her voice with everything she says to that head versus the the confident malice that she has when she's speaking to literally anyone else is superb. Mm -hmm. Including when she walks onto the Titan with her crew behind her and she sees Jack and this is where, as rickety as the wheels were before now, this is where they come right off the wagon with this episode. They're on the ship. You have force fields all over the place. Why do you need to chase anyone out of that room? They're already on the ship. Turn on the force fields, bang, done. But they're gonna have Jack and Sydney run down a hall, stand at the end of the hall and shoot at the bad guys while the bad guys are shooting at them. Just assume that the bad guys are horrible shots and then let them get closer, then run away in different directions, then start throwing up force fields. And, and then throw up one These folks make stormtroopers <clears throat> look good. <laughs> yeah, these guys are awful. They're they're really bad. Then they get caught behind the force fields. Then they catch Vatic. Then there's more running, and apparently, the 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 changelings get where they're not expected, and they have to change their running plan. They say, "Okay, throw up these force fields now." And Jack and Sydney are trapped in the force field cell with the changelings on the outside. Did anyone notice that they're in a 
they're in a three-way junction and there's changelings on either side of two force fields just lower the third one and let the and let jack and sydney out oh the camera past the, the camera that uh, nice okay that <laughs> okay uh, silly me i forgot i forgot about the camera they can't go past the camera uh that entire plan of using force fields to trap people by having to run them to particular locations was just preposterous and i hated it but i'm gonna stop going on Thank i'm gonna you. let someone else say something i i I was waiting. I knew John was going to have something. I, I mean, I, I, you're I, not wrong, but I'm just, I just want to keep the show to a certain length. That's all right, do I? Like, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're going to like talk about every dumb thing they did and every dumb scene, <laughs> 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 like, like, you know, I got, I got, I got a busy week. It, <laughs> it, fe- it feels like I'm doing this more than usual. Am I doing this more than usual this week, or is no, this just well, always me? No, it's because there was more to do this week. It was dumber this week. It was worse. It was just worse. The show was worse this week than it has been in the past few weeks. Um, so I, I'm not. Don't misinterpret me. Uh, you know, my my expressions as shooing you along or or, or disagreeing. No, I, I was wondering just, this before you said that. <laughs> can can we? Okay. No. Rather than talk about dumb things, let's talk about the disturbing thing that I hinted at at the beginning. All right. When Beverly and Jean-Luc basically decide to murder Vatic in cold blood. Uh-huh. There is that, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I... It was an interesting choice. I honestly don't know that I hate it. I hate it. Um, I do too. I think... <laughs> that I I don't think it was earned and I don't know if it's if it was an actor thing or a director thing I think it was a writing, writing thing, thing but I agree it was a writing thing uh, I they, can't I mean, yeah they, it probably wasn't an actor thing because we know those two can handle you know a heavy scene like that but it just kind of seemed like you want to shoot her all right let's do it yeah I, <laughs> I mean it was, a little little more, it was a little if, more if she yeah if they had had this conversation before she told her story I could maybe buy it. Yeah. Maybe. Probably still no, but maybe. But at this point, you know she's the victim. Like like these two it just did it did not track. It did not make sense. Yeah. And then it turned out Vatic is phaser proof anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Apparently so. And yeah. I don't know why they were I don't know why they were getting ready to to why are you readying phasers? She's stuck in a hermetically sealed force field. There's got to be at least 10 different ways that you can kill something inside a force field like that on that ship. But you're going to, your plan is to lower the force field and shoot her. And then Laura lowers the force field and they try to shoot her and it doesn't work. Doesn't do anything. What are your phasers set at? None of that made sense. I'm trying to remember if you put a changeling, if you just, if they're just out in space, you blow it out the airlock. Does that kill it or just freeze it? We've never seen that happen. Uh, well, they should we, have done that. Then. We, 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 we have actually. Change, <laughs> changelings can survive in the vacuum of space. I thought La- they could. Yeah, Loss was was swimming in space. That Loss was the other of the of the hundred that Odo found. Um, All right. Well, okay. So I, yeah, yeah I, guess, La- I suppose they La- could become like a gormagander or something. And yeah, 
And the 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 hundred were sent out into space. Just just sent out. Oh, no ships. They didn't just say out. that they were just yeah. kicked out of an airlock. <laughs> it was assumed there was some kind of capsule or something. Well, yeah, they had their bucket. <laughs> <laughs> their pot. Yeah. The bucket was, is like Orc Mork's egg ship. <laughs> uh, the, uh, that was the, that wasn't their that wasn't their everyday bucket. That was a travel bucket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Special occasions. But anyway, I I really didn't feel like the, there should have been more dialogue. I mean, instead of just the knowing looks and looking at the phasers and, you know, I would have liked to have seen Beverly be at the end of her rope, be absolutely like, this is a, you know, a mama bear depend, de- defending her cub against the last cougar that's at the, at the, I don't know, this metaphor is going all to hell, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, we're, it, it we're really didn't feel like they a were reason. at the point. The, John will make it for, the words you're looking for are a good reason, and yeah. they didn't have one. Yeah. They didn't have one. They did not. Even if, if they, if that scene still could have worked, if they were debating it, and then decided not to do it, and then she escaped because she was gonna escape anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's all they had. They had like for her to see them make the decision. Actually, you know what, Starfleet's not all bad. Even if it didn't change her mind, it would have been consistent with all the characters. You know, still try to shoot her when the force field goes down, but don't decide to do it before that moment because or not even try to shoot her like because she was going to escape that's like the scene was i'm sorry no i you're you're absolutely i'm just i'm just like i'm just gonna yes it was dumb that's gonna be my uh, that's that's my (laughs) phrase this episode yes it was dumb yeah Um, I'm going to be the neek on this one. Boys, come on. (laughs) Keep it moving. Keep it moving. The the, the whole time, I I was feeling like Vatic. The whole time that they were discussing, you know, Picard and Beverly are trying to, you know, come to an agreement or convince themselves that we're going to try and kill her. As Vatic said at the beginning, aren't you adorable? Yeah. Because I didn't. She had the best best writing on this whole episode. Like, all Mm -hmm. of her lives were great. Yeah. No hope for me. fantastic she she had good stuff and and no one else did well you know what it reminded me of there's uh one of my favorite scenes from deep space nine it's it's after zial is killed it's it's like the the next episode where where dukat is in a is in a a a brig cell and he's getting ready to be sent somewhere for a trial and cisco's going to go with him it's it's several episodes later but yes yeah yeah and cisco goes to talk to him and you're thinking that Cisco has the upper hand, but Ducat totally owns the conversation. And I, I can't remember any of his lines, but it's just Ducat is in the inferior position, but he has the upper hand through the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot, and that's what that's reminded me of was, you know, Vadic is totally captured, and she's like, yeah. You got me right where I want you. Loki on the helicarrier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, being phaser-proof helps confidence a lot. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And apparently she's the only one. Because the other changelings... Her big big guy, her big XO... At least they they gave us the courtesy of hearing him heal (laughs) whenever he got shot. He'd he'd go down and then you'd hear sclorpy noises and then he'd get up again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As Shaw's walking past him, you can hear those noises. And the fact that Shaw did not, as he was walking by, just point his phaser down and put another, like, you know, five bolts through the guy's head as he's walking past. That was a missed opportunity. Which, and... if anyone would have done that, it would have been Shaw. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, it was dumb. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's not focus on, on, on the dumbness. Let's see if I have anything else in my notes. Um, nope. I really don't. Uh, the rest of my notes is just just more more dumbness involving the track. <laughs> the the, the, I, the field around Vatic drops and Picard and Beverly start to shoot immediately, but the fields around uh, Jack and Sydney drop and those changelings just stand there and give both Jack and Sydney plenty of time to knock their weapons away and then get into a hand-to-hand -hand fight when they had more than enough time to just open up and, and shoot Sydney at least. They need Jack, but they just stood there without shooting. And then there's the puppet master scene where Jack is controlling Sydney's body. Hopefully they'll explain that next next week. That next. was like the coolest thing that happened on this episode. So like, <laughs> I, I don't have any theories per se, but mm -hmm. I, I'm curious to know if anyone else does. I don't think he was I, I really controlling don't. her. I think he was just Suggesting. giving her a second set of eyes who could see what was about to happen. Because he was yelling out, "Roll, duck, roll!" No, no, he was. This this was not him saying a thing and then her doing a thing. He was puppeteering. It, she was allowing it to happen. I think she probably could have resisted if she wanted to, but he was definitely controlling her body, or it, or at least sending signals to her body to tell her what to do. It was one hundred percent looking for Parmok in all the wrong places with Worf. Well, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I, I thought earlier, but I, yeah. I guess because the fact that when it was all over, she didn't turn to him and go, what the actual f was that? She did. She did. She absolutely did. Yeah, she turned around and said, were you controlling me? And Jack, like an idiot, immediately starts moving toward her very quickly. So she raises her phaser, as you would. And instead of saying, yes, I think it was. I don't understand why it's happening. But yes, it was. I'm sorry. It was the only thing I could think of to save you. Instead, he's just like, wait, hold on. It's me. I need you to trust me. None of these are answers, Jack. None of this he is helping. He doesn't have any answers. I was fine with that because he doesn't. He can't explain it anymore than she. I can. I can't explain it is an answer, but all he's doing is he's just he's just making words with his face. He's just making sounds with his face and trying to get close to her when that's the last thing he should be doing. I don't know that he he doesn't understand that any more than he understands the the tendril visions. So, like, if she asks, like, were you controlling me? I don't, maybe? I honestly don't know. Yeah, maybe? And, and that, saying that would have know. been better than what he did. No, it wouldn't. It doesn't matter. It, okay, well. Saying that, how about this? Saying that would have been less scary than what he did. And he was scaring the hell out of her, and he almost got shot for it. All right, now check what me on this. I don't think she's... <laughs> I don't think... Did she say, were you controlling me? Or did she say, was that you in my head? I don't um, have a transcript. It, I, I, I'm trying to remember now because there, there is a slight Yes, it, it was, was that you in my head. I, right. To, to, to me, they're essentially the same thing. But yes, from, from, a, from a dialogue point of view, yes, the latter. You are correct. Again, I'm, I know I'm splitting hairs here, but I think there's a, a slight difference between what the f***, dude, you were moving my arms to were you, you know, I, I, I mean, this is Star Trek. This is Telepathy is a thing in this universe. So Telepathy is a thing. But this was not, he was not reading her thoughts. He was directing her action. And That's again, I don't, I don't know, like you would say, well, there's a difference between I'm telling you what I think you should do with my mind and I'm taking over your body. Yes, but if I'm not expecting either, the difference is minimal. 
yeah yeah and in a, in a less in a less stressful situation it might have been you know ask first dipshit oh sorry <laughs> what happened okay just let's move on now yeah. come we, on we this all, is, yeah, this is a pointless that jack jack we, handled it wrong as yeah. he always does we, we we got the silent come on boys signal so yep it was dumb <laughs> so we we move on to the final scene where no one is doing anything right once again the doors open up shaw gets shaw falls onto the bridge seven looks into the turbo lift very briefly and then turns around to not notice the two changelings rise up from the floor they've obviously never seen t2 shaw come they, they've they've also never never seen like you know any changeling ever take the form of a solid surface which has happened more than once shaw falls out of the turbo lift. what's the first the thing you do you start I, shooting Yes, they were dumb, but in their defense, they haven't encountered changelings. They, they've all said this. Maybe Jack has. Um, obviously, like Picard has. Seven hasn't. She had to be. She had to get changeling one hundred and one from Shaw. She don't know. Uh, she don't know about no changelings. Yeah, fair, none, fair, none fair of the bridge crew are, young, are old enough to have been involved in the Dominion War. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Okay. The <laughs> what do you know? The rare effective defense of the episode. <laughs> Vatic walks onto the bridge. Well, John, no less. Her, <laughs> her crew comes onto the bridge. They they very quickly and easily disarm every crew member on the bridge, including any members of of security that are on the bridge, who very meekly just hand over their weapons and do nothing. Yeah, well, one guy does get Starfleet blown away. security being useless. Yeah, they they do they do vaporize one dude when they come on the on the bridge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Forgot about that. Oh shit, they mean business. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, guard number one died. I guess I just I better... wanted to get a college degree. <laughs> Vatic gives uh, a great big speech uh, and an announcement to the crew, claims that the Titan is hers now, and says that now it's time for Jack to learn who he really is, and then we get the credits. I love, I just, just, Vatic's last monologue, which. Yeah, more gushing about Vatic. I love the moment when she stopped and looked at the Starfleet insignia on the back of the command chair and just relished it for a moment and then turned around and, and sat down in it. That was such a beautiful moment. Yeah, I, I saw multiple different ways that her looking at that emblem on the seat back Lots of different things that she might have been thinking when she was looking at it, and they all made sense, which is uh, another testament to her performance. And then once she sits down, she's paying a lot of attention to that hand that she's been using to communicate. And rather than while she is announcing to the crew, I'm Vatic, she's reminding herself, I am Vatic. Again, layers in that performance. And after episode eight, I'm going to look back at that scene and I'm going to try to see how much I can read into it based on what more we learn about her. The thought occurred to me, um, I think when I was watching it the first time, when, when she, so she cuts off her hand and she's talking to her, whatever, overlord. It occurred to me that she's not really talking to anyone. That it's a, it's a Tyler Durden situation. Hmm. And the crew just knows that this is a thing that she does, but she's a good captain and it's fine. But 
it it keeps her motivated to stay on mission. It keeps her motivated to stay on task. I because thought of that. I like because it. Because I love that. I hope because, it's that. I don't think it will be, but I love I it. I don't think it will be. But Vatic was like, well, they've gotten away. They're in the gravity wheel. And, and the head was like, no, you go and get them. And then she went after them. <laughs> like, she wouldn't have done it otherwise. So I don't, it, I don't care if it kills you. You go get them. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're expendable. Your crew's expendable. The ship's expendable. I don't care. Go. The Jack is all that matters. Jack is all that matters. That is a... Oh man, that would be so great if that happened. That's fascinating. I, yeah. I'm, usu I'm usually not a fan of I, it, it. It has been used since that movie so much that it has become doing a Tyler Durden. But it would, that, it would explain why the yeah. baddie's in her hand. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's her. Like because I mean, obviously, as it changed, when she can break off a part of herself. But like we also we already know that there's two person, at least two personalities in there. Maybe this is just another aspect of her that's you know mm. is only driven by revenge it, that's fascinating i'm gonna think about that i don't i don't think it's the case at all and i don't personally i'm glad you all love it i don't know that i would love it but it's it's a possibility i think i i'm at least acknowledging the fact that i think about that idea and it does not offend me or annoy me <laughs> When I found spoilers for a show that has been done for for many years now, but when I found out that's what they were doing with the main antagonist of one of the later seasons of Dexter, I almost stopped watching. Okay, so before we wrap things up, um, I was seeing all over the intertrons that people were very moved by Jordy's loving speech towards Data slash Lore. Yeah. What was you guys' reaction to that? I, I don't know if I was as moved as a lot of people online were. I think it was probably the the best Jordy LaForge performance that I've ever seen. I thought he really nailed it. I, I don't know if it was like the greatest thing ever, but I thought it was really good. I thought that scene was very, very good. It was a great moment for LeVar Burton. I wish it had not been in the middle of, you know, such a absolute anchor <laughs> of a scene um yeah it, it was it was it was beautifully done but by the time we got to it i was so over the whole thing that it, i don't think it, it affected me as much as it should have yeah it it was not served well by by the episode that it was surrounded by but on its own i thought it was it was lovely i thought it was i thought it was good i mean it 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 did emotionally resonate with me. Um, you know, not to, you know, it emotionally resonated with me as much as the time Laura had, like, Joydy down on the table and he was gonna, like, put the little, little needle points in his brain. It was like, I, it seems very familiar. And if I'm remembering it, it's, it's, it's too familiar. <laughs> And it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't badly done. But it was. It was overshadowed by how predictable the outcome would be. Was. Obviously, That's... he was going to give this heartfelt speech, and obviously, Laura was going to be like, "Oh, that was sweet." I mean, of mm. course, like, like it. I'm, yeah, Rick. Like you said, at this point of the episode, we're oh, okay. This is the thing they're doing. 
and unlike in previous episodes when we said that they did they did a different thing it's like oh i thought they were doing this but they really did this no they're just doing all the things yeah it was no big surprises but did you have but he uh, pulled it off what were you thinking about it Nick? uh i'm i'm content to uh not say what i thought and we've had enough opinions on the subject so i'm gonna <laughs> leave it at that <laughs> that's the most frustrating thing you could have said okay <laughs> you, you want me to, i mean to I deny mean, us just, what is obviously a a dissenting opinion yes i mean just 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 i liked it or i didn't like it i, I think it would probably be enough for it, it was garbage okay fair <laughs> i kind of agreed with lore on with that i mean okay the acting sure but you know I what? just, I, I actually kind of just breezed over it. You know, that, that's where I was looking at my phone. So, <laughs> Vatic had the best writing in this episode. Laura had the second best writing in this episode. The villains got the best writing in this episode, hands down. Well, it's mm -hmm. easy to write a villain. I know. That's my, that's my point. That's why this episode wasn't good, because it's easy to write a villain. Yeah. Although the writing for the villain was exceptional, like Maddox's writing was great, mm. but did you feel like they had the whole season to work on it, as opposed to like you know, everybody else who's like I don't know what they are. So yeah, so again, really the only part of this episode that I wanted to talk about at all was the the mind control, and no one's talked about it. Like, what what do you guys think? Is he is he mind controlling? Is he is it? And if so, how and why? Wait, is, what? Jack with, Jack with Sydney? Yeah. No, I that I well I, I thought I I, I don't yeah. think, you know aside from the, the the puppeting which I wasn't entirely sure, I I, I I'm not the, dedicated enough to what I thought of the scene to disagree with you, but I think that that could be open for interpretation. But is he so controlling you, Sydney? Well, I'm I'm in the puppeting. So you think he's just telepathic? I I think it was a matter of what it seemed to me because he was yelling out roll, duck, roll, move, that it was like, Hello, if you have somebody else watching the fight you're in, you now have the van uh, the advantage of your point of view and a, and a separate point of view, whereas your opponent only has their point of view. That's kind of what I thought was going on. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong on that. Yeah, I would, I would, their moves were simultaneous. That's like, my yeah, wife I just said, she thought he was telling her what to do in her head and she was doing it. That's kind of what I thought too. I I'm on the side of puppeting because I think he he was saying it, but he was doing it at the same time. And yeah, he as he did it, she did it. So I, however they choose to explain it, I think that he was projecting what to do, projecting his own movements telepathically to her, and it was causing her to do the same thing. But either way, I don't think he was controlling her mind. I don't no, think he, no, no, yeah. no. I don't. I don't think he was like overwriting her. Yeah. I think he was the way that you send your mind sends signals to your body. I think her mind, his mind, was sending signals to her body, and she could choose to accept them or not. So she was fighting it at first, and then she stopped fighting it. I just want to know what you, that's how you think this happened. Yeah, or what you, what you think is going on. Well, he's I, clearly what, not. What is, Vatic, what is Vatic about to reveal? He, he's yeah. clearly not fully human. I mean, there's, there's probably, you know, if there wasn't. Well, this whole thing of them stealing Jean-Luc's body and they're wanting his 
and they were wanting Jack to that, and they were talking about you know filling in DNA and 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 errors and stuff. I, I honestly, I don't know what the hell they're talking about with all that stuff. So, you know, we're we're gonna need to see where that's going. What Jack is at this point, I don't even have any speculations anymore. Yeah, I I'm not, and you know me. I love coming up with a good theory. I really don't know what it is in, in Jack's head that they want. Whatever it is, I assume it's the same thing that's in Picard's head. I don't know what it is they want from there. I don't. I no longer think that they're trying to make a doppelganger of Picard. Because when, when Data mentioned the, uh, the anomalous form in the scan and question the aromatic syndrome, I think that there was something in his brain which is still there because they brought his his neural patterns and his memories into the golem body. But his original brain is in the original body, and it's the brain that they want. I think that the changelings could have easily just lopped off uh, you know, biological Picard's head off of his body, left the body at Daystrom Station and taken the head because what they want is in his brain. It's not his body. Well, but they've had it for... I don't know, a couple of weeks or so at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they still need Jack. Like, Jack is still the focus. So, yeah, whatever it is, they need them both. Yeah, I, whatever it is that's in both of their heads, I think they want they want to remove whatever is in their heads. Their purpose, I don't know. What they're trying to remove, I don't know. There seems to be a genuine affection from Vatic towards Jack. Yeah. That's that it, and I and it doesn't feel like her just going, "Oh my boy, I love you because you're the you're the key to my plan." There seems to be something else there, some kind of kinship. And I, and again, I could be wrong about that too. I, I I picked that up as well. Mm-hmm. Because there were plenty of times they could have just you know killed him and said, "If we just need his DNA, just bring us bring us the body." Yeah. No, I I I don't have the full context for the story that justifies this but I I feel like for Vatic this is almost a rescue mission to get Jack out of there Mm. Yeah. if there was something changeling related in Picard's head which in turn causes Jack to be something someone that the changelings want to reclaim I think I'll be fascinated to find out what it is I think the only thing that will bother me is if this strong of a changeling connection is used on a TNG legacy character rather than a DS9 legacy character. And I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's just the way my head works. The changelings are a DS9 villain. Give us a DS9 legacy character to carry that story on. It's almost like TNG is is stealing cool elements from DS9 to use in their own revival instead of bringing back DS9 for, for more series. You know they stole seven, right? Shh. <laughs> and the morph is kind of both. Why are you guys such separatists? <laughs> like, it's all one franchise. It's all I, together. I, are you being sarcastic or are you being serious? Because that's my perspective. No, I'm no, being serious. No, I, like, no. She, she's being serious. and I completely agree. What is the problem with, like, crossing the streams? I don't get it. I, I, f- I fully acknowledge that my 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 standpoint and my reasoning is threadbare at best the only thing i, I could say in, de- in defense is 
what I would want is cross the streams even more. Bring a DS9 character into this series. Bacon hit his Bashir. I could, I could think of worse. Yeah. <laughs> Liquid bacon head is Keiko. <laughs> okay, that's a good a place to stop as any. I think that's going to take us to the end of this episode, everybody. Um, uh, John, I apologize. This is a long episode, and I've given you way too much to cut out. Uh, so to apologize... I was going to say, I do not accept. What, what were you about to say? <laughs> I was going to offer you the first round in pitch, plug, and promote. I do not accept. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Captain Game Show, Trivia Word Play Podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance Podcast Network. Season 5 has begun. I am far behind on episodes. Uh, the last one came out almost a month ago, but I have two in the can. Just need to edit them, so hopefully there will be one comes out not long after this episode comes out. Possibly even slightly before. It, with my schedule still wide open, if you ever need me on an episode, I promise to talk less than I'm talking tonight. That's fine. Recording is not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but thank All you. Right. Tom, you got anything for the people? No, just smart remarks. I do have some ideas, but no, nothing to promote. All right. Let us know when you have something. Neek, where can all the people find you out there in the wilds of the web? Read my comic recaps of Star Trek at superanemic.com. As everybody should. Rick, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me right here on that Star Trek podcast. You can occasionally find me on Captain Game Show. And uh, just remember, folks, unless you are specifically diagnosed with a vitamin deficiency, vitamins are a waste of money. You just pee them out because you don't need them if you have a decent diet. But my doctor said I need vitamin D. That's yeah, because most people have a, a decent diet. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, if you ha if you are diagnosed by a medical professional, they say you should take a supplement, then that's just fine. But 99% okay. of people don't need them. And as for myself, everybody, you can find me right here on that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on Captain Game Show, and also on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. And for non-audio work, visit my website, www.planetrisecreative.com, and find some of my graphic artwork there. Thank you for downloading, listening, hopefully subscribing, and don't forget to come back next week to hear all this complaint. I mean, discuss Picard Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast. Vatic managed to uh, escape the test tube and take over the doctor before that could be done. Or they're just still waiting to see how it plays out, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe the kill switch is already there.
There's still a few more episodes to find out. That would be a Deus the Machina, whatever it is. I always mess with the <laughs> pronunciation of that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that so you sound great. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> That'll be impressive. <laughs> a shining moment in my podcast history. <laughs>